Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. On a Friday. What better way to kick off Friday? Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. That music means Rick Dollywell is coming up in just a minute here. Uh, this hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. You didn't say dosh. Good job. I think I said expertise. I don't even know what I said. You know what? We're in the final hour of the week. I'm flying solo. I'm doing my best out here. Halford and Bruff in the morning. The entirety of this program, not just hour three, all of it brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You know what time it is, right? It's time now for the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Dollywall from Donnie and Dolly on Check TV. Now here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? Let me get this straight. You work for a billion-dollar corporation, and they can't find you a co-host? You know what? I will give my billion-dollar employer uh, a pass on this one because I was working with Jamie Dodd uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. I said, you know what, Jamie? Fridays are usually pretty easy shows. We get a lot of guests. Rick comes on and steals the show. Why don't you just not work the Friday and I'll do it solo? So that was more about me being a selfless individual, Rick, than anything else. uh, You could ask me and Donnie to come in this morning. That would have been good. you know, but you're you're on right now. That's the important thing. Is it's Fridays. It's you, Rick Dollywall time. You, you could have got Drance. He loves Jerry's voice. If he had his way, he'd do all the shows by himself. Yeah, Drance was floated as an option. I'm like, you know what? We're good. Um, okay, so Flames game last night, five two loss in Calgary for the Vancouver Canucks. I wrote that uh, they looked tired. They seemed tired. They played tired, and then afterwards, Rick Taka confirmed it. They were tired. Is this just a case of the schedule catching up to the Canucks? Sure it is. Uh, the, the travel and the hectic schedule caught up to them. Back-to-back games, you come home, and then you got to go away the next night. They look tired, especially in that second period. Eastern road trip, you come home, next night on the road, no surprise they look sluggish. Five games in eight days, five different cities. It's the second back-to-back in five days. But I'll tell you, Hofford, uh, the, the stamina is uh, huge in a busy schedule. This is where fitness levels come into play and the importance of the coach preaching to the players to have a big off-season in training. Injuries are adding up. Yes. Okay, so look who was out last night. Susie, Suter, and Kuzmenko. You add it all up, and you had a game where they were outplayed by the Flames. And no excuses, though. I mean, this is every team goes uh, through these travel, uh, the hectic schedules. Every single team goes through it. There's no excuses, but you could see um, they look like a very tired hockey club starting in that second period last night. That the legs just were not there, and, and you know to get within two goals in the third, uh, the Hoaglander goal was great. But then you, they just ran out of gas. They had that power play, and then they got taken off the power play by Garland, and uh, that was with about five six minutes left. But anyways, uh, yeah, you can say uh, travel hectic schedule, but uh, if you know Rick Tockett, like the way we are starting to know him. 
no excuses with this guy at all. Yeah, well, I mean, Talkett said it. We played the clip from the post game. Yeah. Where he said, hey, look, we yeah. got to learn how to play tired. There's things you That's can right. do in this yeah. league. But I think part of you know doing those things would be aided if he had a full lineup. And you alluded to the injuries. You know, for a team that didn't have a ton of depth, going into a game without Kuzmenko, Suter, and Susie, it's a big deal, right? And uh, why didn't Kuzmenko travel with the team to Calgary? I know he took the shot in the chin area uh, from JT on a JT Miller shot in the third period. But what was the reasoning behind not having him travel to Calgary? Was it just a all right? He so he gets hit in the face, a very scary uh, JT Miller shot. Thirteen minutes left in the third against the Islanders. Uh, by the way, he's okay, nothing broken. When the Canucks flew to Calgary right after the Islanders game on Thursday, Kuzmenko went straight to the hospital for a checkup. Um, the reason he didn't go, obviously, is uh, precautionary. Why risk anything? But another reason why Kuzmenko did not fly last uh, uh, fly that night with the Canucks was the fact yesterday it made no sense to travel by commercial flight on game day. If you have two days to get to a city, commercial flights are okay, but game day is tough. That is another factor that uh, was a part of the decision. And his agent, Dan Milstein, uh, Mike tells me um, he's 100% healthy, no issues, no broken bones. So, you know, I, I, we, we, I think every, even talk had alluded last night post-game he should be ready for Seattle. But he did go to the hospital after the game, and, um, you know, I don't think uh, they wanted to travel uh, by commercial flight on game day. I think that was another issue as well. Uh, I'll throw you on the spot here with the Carlson call-up. Uh, Linus Carlson gets the promotion to play his first game of the year for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if you've got any intel or insight on this one, but were you surprised that it was Carlson that got the nod over some other guys? No, no. They, they, this, uh, this, this, this management group has, has said they're not rushing any of the young guys. Right. And you know what? They're just not going to do it. You know, and this guy, look, look, look at Linus Carlson and the way the Canucks got him. Um, and the other thing is, um, they got a multitude of wingers. I mean, you, you've got Garland to move up in the top six. You've got uh, Bouvillier to move up in the top six. They have a multitude of wingers. They got a ton of wingers. That's the wingers is not the issue. I am not surprised Linus Carlson got it. I know everyone's thinking our steep Baines, but here's the thing with Baines. You bring him up, you play him six, seven, eight minutes last night. What, what do you prove? Let him go. You know, like I told you guys last week, they are going to let the young kids cook in Abbotsford, and they got to be brought up for the right reasons. They got to be brought up when they're ready. They got to be brought up when uh, they're playing well without the puck, not just with the puck. Yes, you can go and say Baines has got 17 points in 13 games, but I don't think it's just points that are going to be the call up. And and you know what, Linus Carlson last year. Remember when uh, the Canucks had 10 injuries? And uh, and everyone was getting called up. He never got called up last year. I think that's a guy that they really wanted to take a look at because he's in the final year of his contract. They got to, you know, they also got to project: is he going to be a player? Is he going to not be a player? So, in different circumstances, he's older than Baines. He's in his contract year. They want to take a look at him at the NHL level as well. So, I'm not surprised it was uh, him. And plus, it was his birthday yesterday, Alfred. Uh, you know, nice right. little, uh, you know, nice a nice little uh, birthday gift for him. Uh, to get called up. The Canucks have been watching him for years uh, in Sweden, and they signed him, and they brought him over, and he's been diligently working hard in Abbotsford. He doesn't complain or bitch or whine. Uh, he went down to Abbotsford, and uh, he did his job down there, and he got the call up. Uh, we're speaking to Rick Dollywall from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Check TV here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, let's get into the juicy stuff out of Calgary, non-on-ice division. What's the latest you're hearing about the rumored interest from Vancouver and Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov? 
Yeah, okay. So we, we, I always say things can change, but right now, everyone I'm talking to agrees. It is going to be very, very difficult, tough to do for the Canucks to acquire Tanev or Zeridov. I mean, I'm talking to people that are in the, in the know, and everyone seems to think, uh, look, the price is high and the Flames don't want to deal those players in their division. Vancouver loves both those players, but I don't see them making a bad deal, like overpaying to get one of them. And the Canucks can get them on July 1st if they re really, really, really want them. The interest in Tanov is very high right now around the league. He does have a no trade. Vancouver's obviously not on it. We all know that, that the Canucks like Tanov, and we know that Tanov likes Vancouver. He never wanted to leave. I, I, I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. He didn't want to leave, but they never made him an offer after 10 years of service. Uh, Tanov's in a good spot. Veteran right shot D, very respected in the NHL. The only thing I want to say is if you think you're getting Tanov on July 1st for $2 million or $1 million on a cheap deal, not happening. Forget about it. Tanov's going to get a deal to, similar to what he has right now, three years, and I think over $4 million. I think Tanov's in a great spot. Uh, right shot D, uh, great team player, character guy, first pass is great, hockey sense is great. You know, um, when, when, when Daryl Sutter was let go, uh, in Calgary. Sutter was a big fan of Tanev's too. Every coach he's ever had is a big fan of his. He, he Tanev wasn't one of the guys that complained about Sutter, you know, because, you know, it, it, Sutter, Tanev is, and we all know that Quinn Hughes loves him, and we all know that Tanev uh, loves Quinn Hughes. Yesterday in the Calgary newspaper, Tanev said about Quinn Hughes, he says, right now, this is a quote from Tanev. He said, I think Hughes is the best player in the NHL. So there's a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, Zadorov? Oh, they they love him, but uh, the uh, same boat as Tanev. Yeah. They, they don't want to, they don't want to deal him in the division, Mike. And and uh, things can change, but it, it, everywhere I go and everywhere I, I ask you says uh, so, so he says the same thing. They just don't want to deal him in the division, Vancouver or Edmonton. And but you know it's funny the, the people I talk to, some of them are a little bit frustrated with that as well because the Canucks can get either player, Mike, on July first. Right. Right. Right, you know, if they really, 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 really want them, but uh, Zadorov is in the same boat as Tanev. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know. But I think their preference is to trade both guys to the East. East. Speaking of the Calgary side of this and the Craig Conroy side of this, there's multiple reports reports out there that he's like the most popular GM in hockey right now. Everyone's calling because they know he's got all these guys to deal with. Are you getting a sense of what exactly they want to do or what they're going to do? Because if they're going to try and be a playoff team this year, then obviously having Tanev and Zadorov there for the the long haul and long haul, I mean the, the, the end of the regular season is the play. They could be patient and wait this out, but the closer they get to the deadline, you kind of become... Well, are you in or are you out? Are you a playoff team or are you not? If you are a playoff team, then it makes sense to keep these guys and then just say, well, they're going to walk. But Conroy said, I don't want to do that. What sense are you getting from where Calgary is at well, with this whole situation? Let, let's go back to Vancouver. When, when Markstrom, Tanev, Toffoli, right. uh, Stetcher, all these guys were UFAs. What happened, Mike? Uh, they, they got into the playoffs because of COVID, but you know, at that time, they weren't close with any of them signing them. But the difference in Calgary is they've already tried to sign uh, Hannafin. They were close, and then Hannafin backed out. They have made a contract offer to uh, Tanev. He uh, he has said no. So it, they are trying to re-sign some of these guys. 
But a couple of them have said no. Hannafin and Tanev have said no to their offers. They were close with Hannafin, then he backed uh, he backed off. So it, it's a wait. Uh, I, I, the, the feeling is out there that the Flames are getting a ton of calls on these all these UFAs, which is expected. And some teams want to get ahead of the trade deadline. Um, you know, when I look at Jim Rutherford in Carolina in 206, six weeks before he made the trade for Doug Waite, which was a massive trade, right? So some teams want to get ahead of the plan and, and, and do their dealings now. But uh, you, you can bet his phone's ringing off the hook, Mike, big time, big time. Uh, Rick, what's the latest you're hearing about the Elias Pettersson contract and extension? Again, another one we played audio from Frege and the 32 Thoughts podcast this morning. Uh, he had a few more interesting things, perhaps about it being a four-year deal, not an eight-year deal. Maybe age 29 is that magical date that guys, not just Pettersson, but a lot of guys, Austin Matthews deal in Toronto, they want to get to so they can have another crack at a free agent contract. What are you hearing about the PD deal? Well, I think the greatest news this week uh, has been the fact that uh, the Canucks uh, and Patterson continue to talk and about a new deal. The two sides, by the way, never stopped talking, Mike, despite Patterson saying in the summer, I want to wait. Uh, Rutherford and Alvin have kept the lines of communication open with uh, Pat Brisson and J.P. Barry. Patterson never once said he didn't want to resign in Vancouver. He needed time to figure things out, like long-term or short-term. So I said a couple of days ago, a shorter-term deal is definitely on the menu. I heard this uh, about three or four days ago, possibly a three-year deal. It could be four years, lower the term, obviously lower the money. The, the more years you give, you're going to have to give out more money. A new deal is not happening anytime soon. This is going to take time. The fact they're talking is absolutely huge and positive. One person in the know said it's in the early stages, a lot of work to do. Whether it's long-term or short-term, the key is this looks like it's going to happen and have a happy ending. They're talking, and that's the key. And the fact that Pedersen, uh, you know, has given the okay for his agents to keep talking and talking and talking, that's a massive positive because, look, guys, we just went through a high-profile contract with Bo Horvat that didn't end well last year. Horvat took you, you, Mike, you heard the shots that uh, Horvat took yep. at Vancouver management this past week. Clearly, that tells me Horvat expected to stay in Vancouver and wanted the extension, but the team signed J.T. Miller instead. So if the Canucks can get ahead of the curve and sign Patterson, it's in the best interest of any everyone involved. But I think the fact... We're hearing stuff like short-term. We're hearing stuff they're, they're still talking. That is very positive because the biggest fear when he said, I want to wait, you, you, you remember the fear-mongering. A lot of it was you know, on all the shows. Oh, my God, he's gone. Oh, my God, he's gone. Well, he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, and he never ever once told his agents, I don't want to re-sign at Vancouver, ever, not once. It's just a process uh, 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 signing with a lot of ups and downs, and, and the fact they're talking is a massive key. Yeah, the uh, the Frege clip, I believe he said, like, barring something crazy happening, this deal yeah, is going to get done. So we can start looking at, God, and they're going to be really, really, really interesting and really complex, the numbers on this thing. You know, I heard Frege threw out, well, maybe you'll do the Matthews deal, which, for the record, the last two Matthews deals, he's in the last year of the five-year $58 million deal. That's got an $11.6 million cap hit. Yeah. His next deal, Austin Matthews I'm talking about here, is going to be a four-year $53 million deal with a $13.25 million cap hit. I don't know if they're going to exactly hit those figures, but are those the type of numbers that we're thinking about if Pedersen goes four or five years? 
Yeah, no, I don't think so. Pet, look, look at Matthews, 200 goals in the last four years. You know, Pedersen just doesn't have the 50-goal season, okay. right? But he's still looking, Mike. If you go three years, you know it's going to be high 11s. If you go four years, it's going to be over 12. Five years will get you really decent, uh, you know, in the 12s, maybe high 12s. Those are all just projections you think about, but shorter the term, the less the money, and I think everybody knows that. But Matthews, boy, to get to his numbers, uh, you have to put in multiple 50. The best way to help your agent out in hockey is score goals, and Matthews' agent had a lot of ammunition, 200 goals in the past four. That guy just scores 50 goals every year, and that's why he's in that neighborhood. But I think with uh, Pedersen, I look, it, 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 if you go three or four years, you know it's going to be uh, the number is going to be around 12 or a little bit higher than 12. So it, it, whatever it is, you know, it's uh, the fact that the Canucks are talking with this guy and possibly locking him up is a massive positive story uh, for not only for the the franchise for the the fan base as well. You don't want to lose uh, two high profile guys like Horvat and Pedersen you know, back to back, uh, that's, that's pretty damaging. So it, it it's uh, everything I've been told, uh, very positive, uh, very positive in the sense that they're talking and they want both sides want to get it done. Rick, you're the best buddy. Thanks for doing hey, this today. Oh, 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 hold on. I want to get this in. Uh, uh, you know, with Susie out six to eight weeks, yep. I, a lot of people ask me if the Canucks would have interest in UFA uh, defenseman, Alexander Adler. As of now, I was told, uh, lots of respect for the player, but not on the radar. He's 37. He hasn't played since the uh, first round of the playoffs last year. I think there were foot speed issues in that Edmonton series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just saying a lot of respect for the player, but as of right now, I'm, I'm told they're not on the radar. Just look for the Canucks to continue to try and add a defenseman uh, through that trade market. Good update, Rick. You're the best. Thanks for doing this today, man. Okay, buddy. Bye. Bye. Uh, Rick Dollywall, Canucks reporter. As our television Chiron. Is it Chiron or Chiron? It's Chiron. You notice how he just didn't really yell very much with Ruff not here? Yeah, I know. I've learned not to poke the dolly as it was. <laughs> I just, we just roll with it. And he gave us a great, I didn't even know that that was coming at the end there. I didn't realize that people uh, were suggesting Alex Edler. I guess I should have because any old Canuck is a new Canuck uh, with some of the parts of this fan base. But good on Dolly for giving us an update there. I heard Sammy Sallow also thinking about returning. Yeah. Still got that big shot. <laughs> You also said that the you, there's no room for Salo now because Philip Horonic has the big shot. You, right? you mentioned the Pedersen clip from Freeman saying, "Barring disaster, that deal is going to get done." He said, "Barring a major swerve." That's what the phrase major was. swerve. You know what? Is what for the avoiding. purpose of our live listening audience, including my dear friends who were stuck in their car in Langley, who texted in, um, let's reset what. You know, we got exclusive audio here because we got this prior to the 32 Thoughts podcast coming out. So we aired it right away. We aired it at 630 this morning. But for the live listening audience that hasn't heard it yet, Freej and Merrick had some updates on the Vancouver Canucks. I'll shelf the Tanev and Zadorov thing for a minute because the PD clip is the one that's getting the most traction. I'll just set it up. Here is Freej's update on where things are at between the Vancouver Canucks and pending RFA forward Elias Pettersson. I think there's just a lot of places that this could go right now. And one of the places I, I think it can go is term. And he's represented by CAA. And earlier this year, they had a negotiation with Owen Power. And one of the reasons the Owen Power negotiation got done was because the Buffalo Sabres were willing to take seven years instead of eight 
which allowed Power to become an unrestricted free agent at the age of 29. If Pedersen signs a four-year deal, he will become a UFA again right before he turns 29. And I always, now that I know that his agents think that's important, I make a note of it because the surest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Do I think that Pedersen could sign an eight-year deal? Yeah, I, I think he could. But I also think it's possible that they look at it and say, why don't you do the Matthews, sign four years at a big number, and then we can do this again so you get another big one while you're still in your prime. So I think that is a possibility. Now, the other thing here is, initially, I believe that the Canucks and Patterson were willing to wait until they knew for sure that the cap was going up into the 87, 88 range, just so that everybody knew exactly what the number was going to be. Like, for example, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, when he was traded from Minnesota to L.A., they waited until the last possible second to get that deal done to see if there was going to be any flexibility on the cap this year. And when they knew there wasn't, they made the deal. So, I again, I, I think part of this is, should we wait until the cap number gets done before we officially sign the deal? I, I think there was talk about that. But I also think there's been, eh, we kind of know where it is. Let's just do it and get it done so we have something to celebrate here. So I think there are some differing possibilities. But at the end of the day, I think the way the Canucks have started the season, they've made it very clear. And I think Patterson's made it very clear. We want this to happen. So barring a major swerve, it's going to get done. The questions are term and when. But we're going there. So a lot of takeaways from the clip. The the first, and it started right away, the Owen Power extension in Buffalo. A lot of you might be saying, what is he bringing that up for? There's no comp there whatsoever. It is a dramatically different scenario. Uh, Power signed an eight-year extension out of his ELC, whereas Pedersen, you know, quite famously had the bridge deal out of his before getting to his sort of second round of negotiations. Power's deal... He jumps from making the rookie max, which is 925000 to $8.35 million. Pedersen's going to get more than that on AAV because he's further along in his career, he's further established. So the power thing, really, it just becomes about the age in which you're able to hit unrestricted free agency. 29 is, you can see where they're going with this, right? Well, you're not quite 30. <laughs> How close can you get to 30 without being 30 so that you can hit the open market and still be a desirable asset for some team? Sounds like 29 is it. That's kind of the math on Austin Matthews when his next deal comes up. You look at what CAA did with uh, the Buffalo Sabres for their player, Owen Power. Makes sense. Leas Pedersen, if you sign a four-year extension, the Vancouver Canucks do, that would also, as Fridge mentioned, bring Pedersen up to the ripe old age of 29. At that stage of the game, and we've had a couple of people text in saying, Halford specifically, want to know your thoughts on maybe not going the full eight-year term with Pedersen, given my loathe, loathing in the past for long-term deals. I would have no problem if this thing was a four-year instead of an eight-year. As a matter of fact, I think I would prefer it. A lot of people are saying, what are you, nuts? 
How could you say that? This guy's the leading scorer in the National Hockey League. He's a fantastic player. He's a Hart Trophy candidate. You lock him up for as long as possible. Conceptually, as a fan, I get that. But conceptually, for what's good for all parties involved, including the health of the league, is to have less of these deals on the books. Less eight-year deals. Less Jonathan Huberdos. And just get him signed, honestly. like, Can you really be nitpicky about the term as a fan? If you when you're just you just want well, him here for the next people four are freaking years. out because people want Petey to be a Canuck for life, which is still on the table. Signing a four year deal does not negate that, right? Because uh, Matthews did one, and then Matthews mm-hmm. did another one. The opportunity to move and having fewer onerous albatrossian contracts in the league is an important thing. If Petey signs a four year deal, a four year extension, assuming he plays through it. That will have kept him in Vancouver for a decade. He will have played 10 years in a Canucks uniform. That's a lot. That's plenty. In the modern sports landscape, having a, a decade-long player is uh, its a rarity. That's a career for most players, 10 years. We, You know, eight-year deal, if we start looking at these more and more, having to make these big calculated gambles on guys is not going to be good for the league. I know some of you are like, well, that's how you keep cheap talent. But it's also... How you make very costly mistakes. It's not fair to Jonathan Huberto that 16 games into this season, he's being called the worst contract in the NHL. Well, it's kind of his fault. <laughs> he takes a little bit of the blame. Right, but <laughs> that deal probably shouldn't have happened. Right. The, even the mechanism to sign him for eight years at that point. And it, granted, there were extenuating circumstances. Um, Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus. Do you think maybe the Blue Jackets and Gaudreau like a do-over on that one? Maybe not Gaudreau because he's getting paid. But uh, that's actually going to tease my what we learned coming up on the other side because there's a very, very dramatic thing going down right now in Columbus with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. But, yeah, if you want to weigh in on this, Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. The final half hour of this program is going to be all all what we learn is and ask us anything. And if you want to make yours Canucks related or PD related, eight-year term related, whatever, or if you just want to carve me for my takes, Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Text in now. Give us a what we learned and hashtag it WWL. Give us an ask us anything and hashtag that AUA. We will read them in the final half hour of the final show of the week. We are almost there, folks, except for all of you that are going to work right now. You're listening to the Halford and Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. <laughs> On a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Last half hour, last show of the week. Loving it. Uh, hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I see in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket that a lot of people are just learning that um, the, of the Halford thinks eight-year deals are inherently evil. This is a long-standing thing. It doesn't honestly. It doesn't even matter if it's Elias Pettersson or not. Eight-year contracts should be abolished. 
They are works of pure evil. They should not exist in a sporting realm. Someone texted in, yeah, but uh, the seven-year deal, not even an eight-year deal, the seven-year deal that the Colorado Avalanche signed Nathan McKinnon, that was a great win for them. I'm like, if the win, the quote-unquote win, is that billionaire owners get to grossly underpay market value for their stars in a hard cap world, congrats on the win. Congrats on the dub, big dog. You got your win. What happens if Nathan McKinnon only was able to sign a four- or five-year deal and was able to go to market and make the money that he so richly deserves? They're not lining the pockets of the cranky family. Now I'm on a soapbox. Yeah, you want to come off there. What do you mean? You want on a soapbox. Do you disagree with my assessment? I think for teams it's good because they get the, the, the savings. power now like, with the workers, well, Greg? Well, no, I, I would love to disregard <laughs> contracts, lengths, and term. And the amount of dollars, but you can't as a hockey fan. Not disregard. The team you cheer for, it matters how much they sign these guys to and for how many years. But I'm absolutely regarding it. I'm saying, look at at a different model. You're you're saying it shouldn't happen. It should should be shorter term cap on contracts. It should be if you look at the health and structure of the league and that's in the bigger picture frame of sense. But if you look at from the Vancouver Canucks perspective, yes, signing Pedersen to an eight-year deal would be preferable. I don't think that enough people realize how crappy the NF- NHL is right now in terms of player movement and a- engagement. I agree, but I'm right? just saying as from a Canucks fan get, perspective and a team perspective, it still makes sense. The way that the, st- the system is structured, right? And someone brought up a good point in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Like, how often do we hear about new regimes taking over and talking about the, the previous regimes, all the bad money and bad contracts they have to inherit? You know why that is? It's because you can sign guys to seven and eight-year deals in length where – they consciously go into them saying it might not age well in the back half, but who cares because I'm not going to be around for it anyway, right? You hear that a lot. That is not a good mechanism for a league. It's just not. Anyway, we need to do our stuff here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Our stuff. Our stuff. Uh, it's what we learned. We're going to do ours. We all have one. All three of us have a what we learned, right? So uh, while I get mine prepped, I'm going to throw Laddie on the spot. Laddie's going to start, then A-Dog, and then I'm going to finish up the Halford and Bruff versions of what we learned. Laddie, what did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let what we learned, there was a new kind of delay that I've never heard of in the Thursday night football game last night. I don't what? know if you guys watched the uh, Cincinnati-Baltimore game. Well, I watched but, bits uh, and pieces of it. What happened? There was a, a special delay. Uh, I forget when it happened. I think it was in the... In the second quarter, at some time, he towards the end of the second quarter. Uh, listen to what the delay was. Apparently, a, a there was a drone inside the stadium, so they had stopped play. But there you go. They actually paused play for a while because a drone dropped into the stadium, was flying around. And see, the reason you didn't know when it happened because there was actually two drone were, delays oh, wow. last night. Same drone. Uh, yeah, and it was funny because it involved the Ravens and, of course, their head coach, John Harbaugh, who rather infamously went through a 34-minute power outage delay at the Super Bowl back in Super Bowl forty-seven in New Orleans. So Harbaugh thought he had seen it all, but no, drone stoppages now on Monday Night Football. Mook, how that drone? Why did they have to stop it, though, just in case it was like... Yeah, building the game or something. Yeah, or maybe it's doing an Amazon delivery. Yeah. Like those things are important. You don't want to be giving away a pair of shoes for free if it doesn't show up, you know? Yes. Uh okay, A Dog, you're now up. It is time for what we learned A Dog style. Uh you're our like culture pop culture expert. I don't know where you're gonna go with this. You usually don't do sports. Yeah. Uh well I learned from Snoop Dogg. He announced yesterday, after much consideration and conversation with my family, 
I've decided to give up smoke. Smoke. He's decided to give up smoke. Smoke. I repeat, he's decided to give up smoke. Smoke. Uh, he says, please respect my privacy at this time. So uh, that, what that means... <laughs> real statement, by the really, way. Really, I'm not making the statement up. It's on his Twitter. And he called it smoke. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's given up uh, marijuana after, well, I guess his entire life of pretty much uh, smoking and being known as a marijuana advocate. Uh, that's been a huge part of his personality, the culture, the music, all that. He actually doesn't smoke. This is he's been living a lie this yeah. entire time. So, so he's finally giving it up. Now, one person joked, like, "What does this mean? You're going to release like dog treat edibles or something like this? Like maybe that's the direction he goes. We don't know, but but apparently, yeah, he's he's quite quit uh, smoking uh, marijuana. So if you're going to do a, a pantheon, a Mount Rushmore of weed people, it's like people who are synonymous. Like, it, yeah, it's like Willie Cheech Nelson. And, Willie, Willie Nelson. Nelson. Well, I would say like Cheech and Chong, Cheech probably Chong. number one. Snoop's Willie Nelson. Snoop. Way like he's getting etched into. The stone. Yeah, Seth Rogen's probably up there. He's this is a Mount Rushmore. Yeah, Seth Rogen's a good one. Yeah, right. That's a good one. He's made it part of his. Yeah. Sure. So, I, sorry, were you asking if there is going to? Well, be that, are you guys making a re- Mount Rushmore here? <laughs> I'm trying to. Yeah. So, if you need four, Mount Cushmore. Oh. Wow, that is off the cuff, <laughs> dude. You blow my mind. Um, okay, so Willie Nelson, Snoop, do Cheech and Chong go in together? It's yeah, like one head. Yeah, they're yes. a package deal. Yeah. Okay. And then I might consider Seth Rogen as the number four. Oh, yeah. That's the fourth one. That's the next one that comes to my mind. I for think sure. that even though Snoop is now disassociated himself from it, it, it I, it's kind of comical. He's just retired. Okay. He's still in the Hall of Fame. It's, yeah, that's true. I would consider this a weed retirement, a weed tirement, if you will, because you're talking about a guy who has claimed to smoke weed in the White House. He has about, I don't know, 9,000 different marijuana-related business ventures. He's got his own line of cannabis products. He's in a venture capitalist firm called Casa Verde, which is not or maybe an allusion to the Breaking Bad universe. All they do is marijuana startups. So to say that you're stepping out of the game, it might be a temporary retirement. I don't know. This is like if you were to send Carrot Top up on stage and be like, don't work without any of your props. Like Snoop. And we, they go. Well, if it's a health, hand hand. if it's a health thing, it might be permanent. Well, see, that might be the thing. Like I, that's, I that know. was my first. I don't know this. Like it's just a speculation on my part. But when I when I first read that yesterday, I was like, oh, okay, I assume it's something health related. So he just can't do it anymore. Maybe he was told not to by doctors or whatever. So I mean, you know, maybe it was something like that. I don't know. Moo cow, Snoop, smoke. Okay, uh, mine is we kind of tie it back to sports and hockey in the National Hockey League as I continue my rant about. Um, con- big long-term contract. Which people hate you for, by the way. Good, good. The, the inbox is not a fan of your your take. I don't care. I, I one oh, I, I can't, know you don't. one I can't read it in real time because uh, I'm doing the show. And two, it is what it is. I, I stand by what I say. I'm willing to take the the shots on this one. That's fine. Um, last night things got even worse somehow for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, a three-two loss. To the Arizona Coyotes, it drops them to one seven and four in their last twelve games. They're having another miserable campaign, as mentioned. It's seven straight losses. But on top of this one, the head coach Pascal Vincent sent a message to Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau in a game that they were trailing by just one goal and looking to get back into. Laine was benched for the final nine minutes and fifty three seconds. Gaudreau didn't play for the final six minutes and 15 seconds. Their line mate, Igor Chinnikov, also didn't play for the final 9.53. The last shift that they did have ended up being the game-winning goal for the Coyotes. 
<laughs> the Coyotes actually scored twice in 28 seconds to take a uh, 3-1 lead midway through the third period. That was enough for Vincent. He sat the trio down. It's not a good situation in Columbus right now. They are kind of a disaster. Everything that went on in the offseason with the Mike Babcock and the cell phone situation obviously meant that they were probably going to get off to a rocky start, given they had to put a head coach in less than a month to the start of the regular season. You know what their best story has been in Columbus? What's that? Spencer Martin. (laughs) He's been good. I haven't followed. Yeah, he's actually been pretty solid for them. He's had a couple ups and downs, but he's looking to, he's refound his form that he had at least in the year prior when he was in the 900 save percentages. So it's, it's good to see him bounce back. At least he found a landing spot in the NHL. Okay. Uh, Mukemi. So we have a quick, what we learned here, yes. or uh, ask us anything, uh, from Kevin MR. Uh, where do you put Mount Cushmore, Amsterdam or Vancouver? Amsterdam. Oh, come on. I think so. That, that, put it this way. My gut reaction of just saying Amsterdam is I, f- I feel like historically it's more synonymous. But uh, a third candidate would like to enter, and it's where the Canadian men's national team is playing tonight in Kingston, Jamaica. Because Ooh, a lot of people have said that we point. have overlooked Bob Marley mm-hmm. on the, the list, and that is a, an egregious oversight. Look, we're, Can you just be like the godfather of, of it all? and then The overseer? <laughs> yeah. Just the, the omnipresent cloud over top. Cloud, too. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. There's got to be a cloud hanging over about Cushmore, right? Just constant, permanent cloud that just sits over top of it. Are you guys sure that um, people are hating my take on eight-year contracts that yes. much? Well, there is two or three textures. Not a lot of people. That's the hate nice. was loud. Really? Yes. It's a loud minority. <laughs> so that's, which is often the case, right? I, I am here for the workers and the working class, and I, I want... Players to be able, as I pander. Okay, to, comrade. You used to rip me all the time. <laughs> and I, I want the players to be able to maximize as much money as they can get while they can get you it. You sound like me. I do not like a world where the Vancouver Canucks have to make seven different paper transactions so they can acquire Mark Friedman from uh, Pittsburgh. That's not normal. Hard cap, not good. Eight year contracts, not good. We need more ways for players to get theirs, right? We don't need to be lining the coffers of a bunch of corporate billionaires owning teams. Increasing the cap would help with that. That would be a big one. That'd be a nice step. Getting rid of the hard cap entirely. If, if it, there's an owner out there, one of these billionaires that wants to pay to go above and pay a luxury tax, let him. Let him do it. How many, t- how many owners in the NHL do you think would, would go over? Toronto, Boston, for sure. Who else would go into the New league? York would yeah, do York. it. Buy all the big market teams, you would assume. Yeah. And then you'd start going out, like, would Tampa Bay not do it right now to extend their Stanley teams Cup Teams that window? are close on their window, right? yeah. Tampa Bay's stashing $60 billion on LTIR. You don't think that they'd be willing to pay some luxury tax dollars? Come on. Okay. Yeah, um, Batman, this could be a money-making venture. Let's do it. I mean, that's the, <laughs> uh, that's the, big, that's the big goal at the end of this, right? That's right. Okay. Uh, Scott. With what we learned, hashtag WWL, what we learned. The AJ's Pizza, Halford and Bruff deal will be 100% worth it if we get a cacao-like drop from Bruff after hammering down a Detroit-style Explain pizza. Explain that. When we were at the old shop, 1040. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I worked. I did, I did that show. I'm aware. Mark Dreesen's wife came in and provided, uh, cooked us a, a vegan meal. Ah, uh, yes, I remember. Uh, and included in the dessert portion of the meal was a cacao chocolate mousse. <laughs> and <laughs> we got a, a drop of Bruff right. 
the most savory, scrumptious, succulent. Mm. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> in response. Yeah, and that was Pledge that, would use that liberally. That was the biggest food-related highlight of them all, was just con- consistently playing it. So in case you missed it again off the top, uh, AJ's is now going to be working in conjunction with the Halford & Bruff Show. AJ's, of course, uh, for my the money— The best pizza in Vancouver. No, not for your money. It is— the best pizza in Vancouver. I don't mean like for the dollars. I, I mean like in my estimation. It is the best estimation, pizza. It's the best pizza in Vancouver. It is. It, just, it is. There are, don't get me wrong. There are other good joints as well. It is the best one. And I know you all have your personal favorites. You don't need to text them into me. One I'm guy not- was like, there's this great one in Chilliwack. I'm like, yeah. I'll take your word for it. of Chilliwack. Yeah, I'm sure it is I'm not try I'm not driving to Chilliwack to have pizza when there's the best pizza right here, 325 East Broadway. Yeah. Clever drop to get in the address of AJ's there. Please tell me you guys have some Ask Us Anythings or What We Learns flags because it's Friday. I'm tired. I'm working on a lot of caffeine that's it's wor- wearing off right now. So do you guys have anything there, Laddie? Or yeah, I got one from Basketball Phil. Oh, uh, yes. Good. I'm glad you're getting to this What one. we learned, I learned that sideline reporters lie and make up stories about what the coaches said to them during the game. My belief system is shocked. I don't know what to believe anymore. So this is Carissa Thompson. Yeah, basketball feels referring to the Carissa Thompson story. We're going to play the audio here. It's about 20 seconds of her. It's self-explanatory. I'll but, set it up real quick. Yeah. Carissa Thompson's an NFL sideline reporter. She went on with, uh, pardon my take, with uh, Big Cat and PFT about her job. And she talked about how sometimes during sideline reports, uh, she just made stuff up. And I've said this before, so I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late. And I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up because, Mm -hmm. first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop. Uh, hurting ourselves. We needed to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball Pressure over. The quarterback. We need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like they're not going to correct me on that. Right. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll it, just make up the report. So big. J- imagine, <laughs> imagine what? admitting your seven hundred thousand dollar year job involves you making up reports. So and then risking losing said this, job because everything needs context. Two things on this. One, she's admitted to this before. Apparently, she did a podcast with Aaron Andrews like two years ago where she said essentially the same thing. The second part of it is saying that you made it up is one thing. When you hear exactly what she's talking about, it's another. She's saying like, I basically would say the coach said we need to be better on defense and get off the field on third downs, which every coach is going to say anyway. She just basically said, I'll just come up with a sports cliche. And she had, she released a statement, actually, like 30 minutes ago, saying oh. that she didn't ever actually attribute the quotes to anyone. It was just sort of a, here's the vibe I'm getting, and then she put out the information that way. So, to me, I, I feel like you, you want to do a little more digging, right? Because what's the number one complaint about the sideline reports? Oh, it's just cliche after cliche. Right. And if, and if you're just making up the cliches, the yeah, and if you're just the one making up those cliches, not actually getting any real info... It's like Andy said, it kind of puts the whole job into jeopardy. Yeah, it's like, why are like, you even here? You got this sweet gig. Why would you admit that <laughs> and risk losing it? I think because she thought it was so off the cuff and lighthearted that it wasn't actually going to get her in trouble. Now, yeah. Big J journos have taken to Twitter en masse, and they are so upset, right? And that's where it kind of becomes this thing where either you take it as a serious 
complain in conversation or you roll your eyes at a bunch of media people navel gazing about their because they're like this this undermines everything we do as journalists well, i mean three quarters of the time a lot of those made-up cliches that she was using are what they say exactly. so i mean it's not like completely inaccurate to say that but nevertheless you should still be doing your job i mean even if they are giving you those cliches it's, that you are it, making up for, you still do the job for me it's less outrage it's more just you know we all saw these silent reports as sort of perfunctory anyway yeah so what is they the don't point? that's what's happening like, why what is the point perfunctory and antiquated like yeah. i don't see why they can i would say like nine that. out of ten of times i watch a silent report i'm like i got absolutely nothing if you're there that. just <laughs> if she's there just to see you know if there's a, a fight on the sidelines or yeah, an argument or if a player's injured that's fine that's that's, yeah, that's real different. info that you need someone down there for but if you're just giving out cliches you can do that from the press box. You can do that from upstairs. Yeah, and I think the, the it's like interviewing the coaches behind the bench during hockey. Yeah, games, like they right? need to get her. They, you know, like it's just awful. like it's like I don't know what you want us to say right now. We're trying to coach a hockey game. And I say <laughs> I think what really, this really comes down to is she said the quiet part out loud, and people don't like that. I think that's honestly what it came down to. Yeah, well, because a lot of the times the sideline reports are just filled with cliches from coaches, but that's it's been that way forever, right? So I mean, it's not like this is a. A new thing or anything. Uh, I got one here from two-time caller Brian. Ask us anything. Do you guys have faith in this Canucks management group to make the necessary moves to take this Canucks team to the top in the coming years? Well, one, they're already at the top, Brian. Go check the standings. Two, I I have been pretty impressed with their pro scouting uh, over the last 12 to 16 months. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if they have they really made a bad movie. I mean, I guess you could argue the Miller contract length, but outside of the Miller contract, and of course he's playing so amazing right now, a lot of people are like, who cares? They've done a nice job. But outside of the Miller contract, is there anything that sticks out to you? Is like, why did they do that? They've done a really nice job of identifying players that bring attributes and fit the styles that Rick Tockett wants to implement, right? Yeah, no, they're really good. Um, now, here's the, the caveat is that most of these guys came from the Pittsburgh organization, so there is a sense of, well, is that scouting or is that just familiarity? Uh, that being said, I don't think they had any previous experience with Pia Suter, and that was I thought that was a really nice, tidy piece of business. Yep. Um, but again, like you talk about it, they had experience with Ian Cole. They had experience with Sam Lafferty. They had experience with Mark Friedman. So I don't know what a great job of pro scouting that is, but it all counts, right? Your network and connections throughout the league, that's an attribute. You yeah, can't apologize work. for that. So I've got faith that they will be able to continue to add in a meaningful way um, it's really hard to say if I've got faith in anyone to put a team over the top to be a Stanley Cup contender because so much of what you do is predicated on what you inherit. Like they will be trying to work their way out of some of the bad deals, some of the cap hits, some of the bio penalties from the previous regime for a long time. So I think that plays a part of it as well. Uh, who's got one here? Who's got one well, here? Well, we had me? one about the uh, the F1 race. Uh, I just lost it here, but the uh, it was an unsigned text. It basically said that there was an event going on last night. It got delayed. It got pushed until about 2.30 in the morning, and then it was outright canceled. So, it, And the reason they canceled it was because the security guards' shifts were ending. <laughs> they literally couldn't have the event anymore. Uh, it sounds like a bit of a gong show. i, I got to say it from all the reports that we're reading online. There's been track uh, flooding issues. There's been all sorts of delays. The entire Vegas Strip is just gridlocked right now because of this F1 race. And it sounds like the racers aren't even really enjoying it themselves either. A lot of quotes from them saying it's so much flash, not a lot of substance going on in the Vegas race. Uh, Austin and Langley with the What We Learned, hashtag WWO What We Learned. Everton got docked 10 points for FFP issues. That's financial fair play in the Premier League. And it's now in the relegation zone. 
In other news, Chelsea is trying to purchase the 10 points. Wow, clever one, Austin and Langley. So a lot of people are up in arms about this because Everton got hit with a very stiff and very immediate 10-point penalty. See, they do this in England, is if you break uh, financial fair play rules, they do have the ability to dock you points right away. It happened in Italy this year with Juventus as well. But the issue is, is that the current title favorites, Man City, have somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 financial fair play um, issues, citations, violations, and they've yet to be docked the same kind of points. So doesn't sound very fair. It doesn't. It doesn't. The fair of financial fair play doesn't really uh, lend itself to this particular situation. It's an umbrella but, term. Yeah, but uh, Everton, who have had a real tough go over the last few seasons, almost seasons almost got relegated last year. Uh, losing ten points isn't going to help. I'll just throw that out there for now. Okay. Who's the big Everton fan? Uh, uh, before Is there someone in the station that's here? Yeah, I thought, Everton. I thought there was one. No, uh, Sat is a Chelsea supporter. Uh, that is Manu. Dom is Manu. Um, I think Randeep is Arsenal. I can't remember Bick. So you know who to make new, fun of here. Ruff is Newcastle. I'm Leeds. Somebody young boys. Andy Andy's is, young Andy boys. is a young, young boys, boys supporter. Yeah, he's <laughs> been a big fan of young boys young for a boys. long time now. Okay. Uh, before we go, since <laughs> we got note. about five or six different people asked this Ask a Scene thing. Sure. Uh, and got to be quick, I guess. What is the most annoying thing about Jason Bruff? This is the last day we could ask this question. He's back next week. Yeah, ended on a good note, Alfred. Let's go. What's the most annoying thing about Jason Bruff? Nothing. I've missed him all week, oh, and I'm God. glad that he's going to be back on Monday. Ooh. I didn't totally enjoy my time with Jimmy Dodd. Nope, not me. Not saying that out loud. No. <laughs> uh, Bruff will be back on Monday. Things will be back to quote-unquote normal on Monday, but I still promise I'll go on another uh, economic rant about the current state of the National Hockey League, and you can all yell at me again, again. On Monday. For now, though, we got to say goodbye. Signing off. I've been Mike Alford. He's been A Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.